0: Welcome to Sustainability Matters, a new podcast brought to you by Anthesis. We're a global team of sustainability experts who strive to support others in achieving a more productive and resilient future. We believe that the world deserves better and that change is vital for our people, cities, businesses, and planet. My name is Chris Peterson. I'm an Associate Director at Anthesis, and my passion really lies in leveraging the power of business to drive social value. Over this podcast series, we'll look at a whole host of sustainability issues and consider their impact for different sectors. We'll unpack the topic, explore the potential solutions, and hopefully inspire others to share in our vision. In our first episode, I'm excited to be joined by my colleague, Don Reed executive director with the Thesis Group. Don and I have had some great conversations around climate risk and the investor community and the expectations that are evolving within this space and invited Don to come on to the podcast today to share some of those insights. So Don, welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Chris. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: Fantastic. So why don't we jump right in? You know, maybe you could start by just giving us a little bit of insight around what is meant by climate risk.
1: Well, the key question is really what are the risks to business success that are posed by climate change? And those can be things like you know, business interruption, cost changes, brand reputation, revenue, all sorts of things. But the way we found that's most successful for how to think about that is really a matrix between the impacts of climate and then, you know, that we're used to, to talking about and then thinking about operations, supply chain, and markets. So on the impacts, usually that world is divided into the physical impacts and the transition impacts. And the physical impacts in turn include things like chronic or incremental changes, things like temperature rises, and changes in growing seasons, and that sort of thing, but particularly for utilities, things like reduced water supply in some regions, which can affect the cooling um, systems for for, um, thermal power plants. But not just those kind of chronic effects, also acute or event effects like more intense rainfall um, events, um, increase in cyclones or hurricanes, And then there's some of them that are really kind of some of those impacts, physical impacts that really cross over, like big storm surges from large, um, you know, hurricane type events combined with higher sea levels, you know, kind of having the double whammy sort of impact. But physical side and then transition, like how is the public policy world going to respond to climate change? And so you're used to thinking about things like a price on carbon or regulation of carbon emissions in the utility industry. But it can also be things like greater incentives for renewables and changes in market preference for a low carbon power. And then you can't think about transition without also having an overlay of the technology development curves, particularly in things like renewables and storage where that's an ordinary part of your business planning in you, in the utility industry but the um the added um aspect of incentives changing that kind of break even cost point or cost parity um between renewables and existing thermal assets um all that is you know is is part of the complexity of thinking about transition risk and then for all those kinds of risks we also, you also need to think about them in, what do they mean for your own operations? And that's particularly true in utilities, but it helps to also think about them in supply chain and then in your end user um, markets. So that's kind of the, the framework for what do we mean by climate risk? And all of those also have an opportunity aspect um, to them. And we think maybe think first about the risks and that's very real, but we definitely have some utility clients that have put a lot of emphasis on their climate analysis on the opportunities because they think they're really well positioned and they have good long-term assets for that.
0: Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thanks for that that overview. Cause I think that is that interesting insight, right? Is that there's, there's this evolving and emerging focus and structure around people, how people are thinking about this climate risk space. And it feels like it's evolved from being a, a relatively vague concept to one that is a lot more bust as you're saying that having these really kind of clear clear elements to it you know and I guess maybe building off of that you know kind of why do you think that that's coming up more and more now right and are there two drivers within that or you know things that are really impacting that currently
1: yeah I think there are probably three things that really drive it in particular in the utility industry uh, and the first is just sort of the general ambient awareness about climate change as a big societal issue. And it's closer to the front of mind for a lot of folks. And so that's true in the utility industry, your customers, your investors. And so that's a big you know, sort of general uh, one that sort of elevates the issue. I think particular to um, the utility industry, investors, particularly global investors have an example or two that make them think that this could be a big issue in the utility industry. And we know that these examples aren't necessarily, um, you know, one. I think that the probably leading example is the German utility industry. And we all, as all of us focused on the utility industry, understand that, well, the German utility industry is quite different and unique in different set of circumstances. But if you're an investor that invests across a lot of different industries, you might just see the example of, uh, of Germany and what happened with the utilities there as being, well, why couldn't that happen here? And are companies really ready for it? Because Germany really adopted the Energy Wende, you know policy, which provided a lot of incentives for renewables behind the meter. And that really drove down wholesale power cost Enhanced the profit margins for conventional generation and had a huge impact on the valuation of utilities and drove you know, merger activity in the space, et cetera. And so that really sort of set the stage in the industry for thinking about uh, this as a new and different source of uncertainty and investors are used to uncertainty in general, but they think about it, utilities as being a relatively safe you know, sort of sector. And so any sort of new uncertainty or different uh, uncertainty with different qualities um, kind of feels prominent. Mm-hmm. And I think the third thing, why uh, reason why this is really on the agenda is the Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosure, which is a G20 um, finance initiative to promote reporting on these risks in regulatory financial filings. And it's a framework for a disclosure, which ends up really setting up a framework for analysis, and so it's very useful that way. Um, it has key features of, you know, requiring or you know, suggesting really scenario analysis, and you know, saying like, well, how would you be ready, um, and what would be the financial implications if there were no effective action on climate change, and there were lots of physical changes. What if it was just business as usual? Or and what if the action for um, there were effective actions for limiting climate change to one and a half or two degrees Celsius? And all of that is you know it's a new reporting framework, and so it attracts some attention. And some investors will uh, have already begun engaging companies in the utility industry about are they reporting? When will they be reporting against the standard? but i think that you know what it's not don't do it just because there's a new standard you do it because it's a good business choice but those are those are three of the factors really driving this onto the agenda
0: yeah no that's really helpful and i you know maybe just circling back to the investor climate because i know that's an area that is always fascinating digging in with you is you know do you see that evolving relatively quickly i know that there's been this kind of shift in mentality that we are we're hearing about in practice the the blackrock uh comments and and drivers and boards, et cetera, as an example of that. But is that something that you are yeah. seeing reflecting in practice? Is that something that you think is kind of mature at this stage, or is evolving and, and growing over time? Or how how do you view it as someone in this?
1: Yeah, so I think the trends. You're you're absolutely right that the trends are still in that early stage. That there are definitely some thought leaders on the investor side that are vocal advocates. For doing this kind of analysis and provide providing disclosure, BlackRock is a is a is a good example. But there are others institutional investors that are, you know, have publicly announced that they will do this disclosure themselves and that they will advocate uh, for the companies they hold to to also do it. I think that um, it's still early days because um, I think that um, the you know, the institutional apparatus that really gets that rolling is just starting, but you're seeing very public examples of com- of investors saying they, you know, this is their, how they're approaching the analysis, this is how they're thinking about these risks, and then engaging companies around their disc- their analysis and disclosure on it. And so, yeah, it's it's definitely building and has the potential to move very quickly I guess I wouldn't you know I I stop short of predicting that <laughs> because you know I think a lot of times there's the talk about these kind of changes um precedes the action so there'll be a lot of talking before there's a lots of action but I would say that utilities along with the oil and gas industry chemical some parts of the materials and chemical industry will be the first are already the first sort of key targets for those investors
0: mm. yeah no and I think it was interesting kind of indicator for me to just kind of reinforce your statements there of seeing that BlackRock as an example is really mm-hmm. investing in that regional data sets to understand right. what do those climate risks look like for their investments and trying to map that against the location of the utility assets, for example, right? which mm-hmm. speaks to that, that next step from lip service to really starting to recognize and differentiate their investments within that.
1: Right and we've you know parallel to that um, we've also done work with the utility groups at um, uh, a commercial bank that was really looking to uh, upgrade significantly their analysis of these issues across their whole credit uh, portfolio and we really did that by drawing on numerous public data sources some of them very specific um to the asset location but also very specific to their regulatory situation because just because you have a big um have large emitting assets doesn't mean you're going to get cost re- you're that you that there're going to be challenges around cost recovery it's a more complicated situation than that and so yeah there the the level of sophistication of that analysis is growing um, pretty rapidly, and adoption of those kinds of techniques on the you know investor and lender side is uh, the game's afoot,
0: right yeah, well, so assuming you have now scared people, um, you know, <laughs> how do you recommend that organizations respond to this based off your experience and what you're seeing out there in the in the marketplace? Yeah,
1: well, so I think that yeah you, you never really want to come at any of this. From a point of fear, I think what you want to do is really come at it from the point of this is a business issue, and we want to treat it as a treat it as such. And so we really um, recommend a you know three step process where you really assess what risks you are have on on these and where your opportunities are. So an assessment phase, and then really evaluate the business impacts quantitatively and that gets to the application of scenario analysis. And then you really wanna optimize your response plan and where most utilities are are really in that assess phase. And so the, um, you know, where you really wanna look at where do we have value at stake on climate change broadly and that language is chosen carefully because it really is both risks and opportunities. Where's their value here? Um, What's the order of magnitude of that value? Which of these um, uh, impacts is most important to to, to us and our utility and our strategy long-term? And then what are the value pathways that you expect to see that follow? So is it uh, around a price on carbon that uh, changes the generation mix, is it uh, incentives for renewables that um, you know increase you know de- decrease demand because there's uh, greater cost parity behind the meter um, all those kinds of questions so you really try to narrow the universe of topics to, to focus on uh, where are there physical risks to our actual plants you know with you know water availability or um you know persistent flooding how are they hardened how are they insured um and and but, but really narrow it down to the set of risks and opportunities that you think are most important salient for your for your company and then move into that evaluation of business impacts you know using quantitative techniques and be testing your response plan you know and maybe refining but certainly testing your existing plan for how you deal with uh Climate change risks and opportunities, but then be open to uh, what are there other response plans that uh, are better suited to your particular situation and and uh, are more valuable under a full range of different scenarios.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. And I, you know, it's fascinating to see how that develops. And I'd be curious to hear, I know that you've supported a number of companies in understanding this, understanding the growing investor pressure, how best to respond to that. Have there been any kind of key lessons learned through that in terms of how companies have approached it and in particular, how they've extracted value from from that effort, whether that's communication to the investor yeah. community or changing of practices internally?
1: Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of things and some of these, this is very, Um, straightforward, so not exotic. Um, First off is really to get started and don't be paralyzed. Um, I think that a number of companies have looked at the TCFD's sort of framework and what they're asking for and thought, oh my god, this is grandiose. How are we going to do this? This is, um, this would be really hard, maybe outside of our organizational capability. And we just think that that's the wrong response. You want to you don't want to be paralyzed by these en- great ambitions, but really say, "Oh, okay, we're get- every journey starts with a step, and so we're going to begin with some assessment. We're going to um, build a m- multifunctional team on our side that can be under uh, understanding what's going on in the market and um, laying out plans for how you would do this kind of an assessment as a as a first step." Um, also, you know, it's really important to come at this from a mindset of, this is good business planning, and you want to take it all in and and think about this in conjunction with other things going on in, in your business, not as an isolated thing, and multifunctional teams really help with that. Some of the other things that have been more, um, uh, I think, uh, specific to utilities. I think particularly the, like the risks and opportunities thing, like we, I mentioned earlier, but it, it really is true that a lot of um, power generators and utilities have great opportunities in this space and they may or may not be well positioned for that, but to really think about it, you know, it really has both opportunities and, and risks. One of the challenges is that a lot of business planning has a relatively short time horizon, and sometimes even in the utility industry, where assets are extremely long-lived, that uh, the planning horizon is, uh, you know, is is constrained, and a bunch of these impacts are anticip they're already occurring, but they're anticipated to be happening over long periods of time as well, and so having longer um, time horizons or willing, being able willing to experiment with longer time horizons is very much to your advantage to be able to say, oh, okay, maybe this is not or these issues are more important in the near term, but there are some other things that are really important in the long term, and we want to build understanding and capability over some of those long-term issues and not just concentrate on those that are, um, we know are already important in the near term. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I think, as you said, too, like with the long-lived assets within the utility space, right, that some of these short-term decisions have very long-term, long tails to them. And I guess just out of interest, when you think about the investor community, you know, are there specific groups within that that are thinking that longer term that are shifting to expectations around this? Or is it still that kind of short-term term impact and considering what are the implications of, you know, this back-end risk? to the ability to kind of transfer those assets.
1: Right, so it's really important to be able to understand the, the full universe of your investors and that we hear a lot from the active investors that are Moving in and out of utilities and your particular company, and that there's an analyst community that follows them, and they attend your quarterly earnings calls and things like that. And that's a very important part of the shareholder base. But there's also a whole other part of your shareholder base, which are large passive long-term investors, really permanent holders, and that's you know represented by you know. Uh, investment firms like blackrock but um but but uh, a number of others that own your company because you're part of an index and they're tracking that index and they don 't buy and sell around your latest trends and news, and they are really permanent holders of you. They tend to engage your company at the board and secret corporate secretary level rather than that uh, rather than at investor relations. And they have the mindset that they're gonna own you forever, so they want you to get this right. And so they may be a very important constituency for you for this, uh, but they they have different access points to your company than perhaps you're you're used to working with.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that's really helpful insight. And maybe just I don't know if you have any perspective on the on the bond market as well for those that aren't necessarily investor-owned utilities, but uh you know, still looking for for those ratings,
1: yeah, yeah, so I think that the um, the debt or you know similar to the lending world is a little less exposed to the risks and opportunities than the equity world, and so they are maybe one step uh, uh, behind in timing and rigor on analysis of these issues. But we increasingly see fixed income investors, uh, you know, uh, paying a lot of attention to these topics and really adopting the analytical t- techniques of evaluating these issues from their fellow uh, investment professionals on the equity side. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, uh, that is, uh, you know, they, they have a big difference, of course, in the sense that they're thinking about this in terms of the impact on credit quality. And so cash flow coverage is their, you know, kind of lingua franca. Uh, but there are definitely many of them that are increasingly thinking about this as a part of the mix. Uh, but I think they are maybe half a beat behind um, the equity um, equity investment professionals on how to how to integrate this into their investment decision making
0: great no i think that that's really helpful insight and then maybe just a couple kind of final questions before we look to wrap up um you know you had mentioned kind of this this overall process and i'm curious time wise right given that we are talking about these like fairly significant kind of efforts to to really get our heads around where this is going Mm -hmm. and kind of that pivot within the organization you know what kind of time frame should should an organization be thinking about when they're think about implementing a plan or really getting started on this
1: journey? Yeah, so I think that um, the the time to be thinking about and building support for the idea of doing this kind of analysis if it doesn't already exist is now because we really find that getting started early is a long-term advantage because it enables you to socialize the idea across those kind of multifunctional teams that you're going to need to have to do this and it it doesn't have to be a um you know multi-year process to be to begin with it can really start with oh okay we're going to create a multifunctional team we're going to organize our horsepower to do that assess sort of phase and think about that. We're gonna school up um, a, a core of people that really understand that. And all that can happen um, in the course of really just a couple of months. And so I think it gives you know, the, but I think the key is to um, start thinking about real action steps now to get that process in motion because all of our organizations are kind of slow to get moving and you can use examples of other utilities that are and power generators that are reporting on this and being able to see out there in the public domain what some of them are sharing with regulators as well and sort of get a sense of what the speed of traffic is out there not that you should do what everybody else is doing but rather that you should understand what the what's happening in the market that others that your investors are seeing others do and that all that is helpful in kind of getting something started on this.
0: Great. And then the the last question I have is around kind of extracting value from the effort, right? And I, you know, I see lots of channels for that, but just curious if there's a few key takeaways that you've had through your experience of, you know, when you initiate on this, here's how you set yourself up to, to really get the biggest return.
1: Right. So there's some real simple, um, Early returns that you get um, from doing this kind of work. And some of it is, you know, just directly from those investors where you're communicating, Hey, we're on this case. We are flexible in our thinking about this and we've got a process in motion. And with a number of investors, that's a big, uh, that's just a big plus because their greatest fear is that um, companies they hold um, are don't have this on their agenda and aren't thinking this way so i think that's a a quick you know kind of early return i think that same sort of uh, uh return can happen with regulators as well and with policy makers and that's of course really specific to your own jurisdiction your own you know your own um rate regulators if you have them and uh, and all but i think that that's you know that that's again a real early return what we found in some uh, utility clients, when we've actually gone from the assessment phase, which kind of gives you that roadmap of of where you should be concentrating, and into the evaluation phase, we found that um, you know a couple of them have really seen a new kind of way, of, a, a new way of of seeing the value of their investments in renewables, efficiency, and storage. And seen in scenarios where those assets are even more valuable and have a stronger business case than they would have had otherwise, than they they had currently. And it's that, you know, the, the, the rigor of the process and really looking at that across different scenarios is really valuable in being able to say, whether, you know, how valuable are these assets and how do we think about what that value looks like over time and we 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 do have a client who's done that and who was almost uh um you know was was hesitant I should say to talk about publicly about the value um of those assets over a long period of time just because it was so much more valuable than they had thought when they started making those investments. And they were—it was almost like admitting, "Oh, we didn't even really know how good this was." Right. That's
0: that's the outcome you want from that versus the opposite, <laughs> right? But I think what's interesting throughout all of this has been your kind of that consistent message of it's better to know, and that expectation with yeah. investors, right? Of we expect that you will know these answers, right? And we're going to start asking those questions. So, Don, mm-hmm. this was this was fantastic. Thank you very much. Anything, anything you missed or any final comments? from your side
1: wonderful conversation and really look forward to um more of these kinds of conversations at uh, at the utility company level
0: fantastic thanks don. and then just for anybody who's listening and who'd be interested in reaching out um your email address again is don reed at nthesisgroup.com. that's D-O-N-R-E-E-D at anthesisgroup.com um And just want to say, you know, thanks again. Really appreciate the insights. Thank you again to everybody for listening today and uh, looking forward to connecting with you again soon. I can be reached at chris.peterson.anthesisgroup.com and look forward to connecting with everybody at the next chance we have. Take care.